0: Hello, everyone listening. Welcome to episode 39 of the Diamond Duo Podcast. My name is Tom Bauer, joined by my co-producer and co-host Tony Puglisi, as we take you around the world of baseball once again as we head into September. Nice voice crack, Tom. And this episode is brought to you. Stop laughing. I have (laughs) grease. And this episode is brought to you. By Tom's residual headache from, let's say, activities earlier today that are still lingering with him because the Giants lost and made him suffer. And more specifically, Tony, they lost to the Jets. And we would know that because we were at that preseason game. Me, you, and two of my friends from my childhood. By the way, how are you doing this week, Tony?
1: I'm doing good. I, you know. Like you said, we just went to a football game today, just cards on the table. It was the first football game I ever attended live, so that was a lot of fun, and that checks off the last box. I've now seen baseball, hockey, basketball, and now football, so I could die happy, except, you know, in a sports sense. The game uh, was painful as a Giants fan. I mean, I find it hard to believe that you had a bad time, Mr. I wore a Jets shirt to this game where I myself am a Giants fan.
0: Okay, listen here, sir. Listen, there are reasons I cannot go into for why I wore a dread shirt, and I cannot go into those reasons, but they are very good reasons, and you would agree with it.
1: I literally haven't agreed with it all day, because you threw that reason in my face at the game, and both me and your two buddies disagreed with you. You're like childhood friends. Listen! Oh, great. Voice crack again. Listen! listen. <laughs> 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 what that's do you want to
0: say <laughs> that's gonna be the new like okay so two weeks in a row i've had like high ear piercing like screams two? i'm gonna try that's i'm gonna it? try i mean there's been more than that chief oh. but, like there's two notable ones I'm i gonna was gonna try to I avoid that again holy crap last week yes i know you edited that part and you sent it to me and i laughed my ass off in bed while i was trying to <laughs> sleep when you sent that like one o'clock in the morning but that is not the point. The point is, we did go to that game today, have a lot of fun, great way to uh, kick off the weekend, and almost like Tony, I've almost checked off all the boxes on my professional sport venues uh, bingo card, I guess you could call it. I just need to go to an NHL, NHL game at some point, point. and for other various reasons... That got canceled a while ago. Thank you, Pandemic. (laughs) So we are recording on Sunday, August 28th, around 930 at night. If anything that happens after that, between now and whenever the hell this episode gets released, we will not be covering that. Unless there's like some breaking news that me and Tony decide to uh, throw in the editing process, but hopefully that doesn't have to happen. Also, follow us on social media at the Diamond Duo Podcast on Instagram at diamondduopod on Twitter for show content updates, etc., so forth. All right, Tony, we're gonna jump right into major headlines because Tommy is f***ing tired tonight, and I need to go to bed. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know why I just referred to myself in the third person with a
1: nickname. That's a first person, number one. <sighs> <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, I, too, have to wake up early, so, the, the good news is we don't have a ton of stuff to talk about. I mean, there's some interesting stories, especially this first one. This This story actually dropped while I was training at work, and I was so pissed, like, I wanted to, you know, look it up, you know, read more about it, but Obviously, I'm not gonna just look at my phone middle of the day at work. But (laughs) no, easily the biggest story that dropped this week was the extension of Julio Rodriguez. Now, this has been a bit of a trend past couple years. You know, franchises locking up their young generational talents for extended periods of time. You can look at the Fernando Tatis contract, which (laughs) looks fantastic now, doesn't it? The potential... Uh, Juan Soto deal that was being, you know, tossed around between him and the Nationals that never came through. Very likely going to end in a $500 million deal. And even earlier than that, there are contracts like the Eloy Jimenez contract, who w- which he signed before he even f***ing played and now is revealed to the world that he's made of glass. So, uh, yeah, not the best outcomes of these contracts so far, but Julio looks to be the one that breaks that trend because the Mariners signed him to a mega contract of which, and and I mean mega in every single sense of the word because there are so many options and conditions that could be met with this contract and just looking at what's guaranteed, it's kind of crazy just to look. It's 12 years, 210 guaranteed, like 100% he's getting that money and he's locked in for that amount of time, like at face value. But before we get to the 12 years, there's options in there, we could talk about this contract for an extended period of time just by the nature of it itself, but we could also talk about it, Tom, in terms of what this means for teams and other young players, like how this is how this could possibly affect Soto's deal in the future, whether or not it even does. And I guess just the faith that the Mariners have in this young man, which to be fair, he's the AL rookie of the year favorite. They've got a ton of faith in him, and this contract shows it. See, remember when we were bashing Fernando Tatis Jr., like two weeks ago and we
0: were saying that this could affect the young guys like in their contracts and i made i made a comment like Mm -hmm. if you sit in a room with 15 minutes for somebody and get to know them and their maturity level that there's the difference right there well clearly great great (laughs) clearly that's the case with the seattle mariners (laughs) I am so sorry for my grammar gaffes and, like, all that other stupid bullshit that's going on tonight. But, uh, I am tired. At any rate, you mentioned it. It's a mega deal. So you put this down, and I don't know if this is necessarily true. You said he can make up to $470 million in the bank with this deal. Like, what in the actual f***? Like, and this could go through 2039, keep in mind you. So this would... Lock him up for, well, what's 2022 right now? So, like, the next 17 years or something like that? This is Mm. crazy.
1: Yeah, this is that number, by the way. I got it from MLB's website. It's under the Mariners uh, stories. But that's his cap. Julio's cap is he could potentially make almost $5 million, and that's hitting, obviously, the guaranteed money. $5 million? When did I say that? Just now? Yeah, did you mean to say $500 million or $5 million? I meant 500 See, you're not the only tired one here. But, <laughs> yeah, no, that is guaranteed, the $200 million. But if he hits all of these options, which include but are not limited to... Uh, Top finishes in AL MVP voting, potential postseason success, relative health and, you know, games played. He could earn bonuses that can accrue up to $470 million, which to me sounds f***ing crazy for a guy who's pretty much our age. And, again, it hammers home the faith that the Mariners have in him because he's been fantastic this year. He's been shown to be a very affable guy. He's got a great personality. Tom, just circling back to what you said about maturity, I almost, like, just judging from hearing Julio speak, both with the media, with his coaches, with his teammates, he's a very down-to-earth guy. No one who, everyone who's met him, spoken of him, has nothing but good things to say about him. I'm immediately thinking back to the video of, I think it was Scott Service who told him he was coming up to the show at the very end of spring training, and his reaction was just so wholesome. It really gives you a window into his personality, and just hearing what everyone has to say about him, you could tell this is a guy that you're comfortable saying, yeah, I want you with this organization for your entire playing career. If you want a face for your franchise for
0: the next potentially, like, say, 17 years, he is the perfect example, and I'm kind of surprised this type of deal is coming from Seattle, of all people. However, I will I will preface that they have been investing in their team a hell of a lot more recently. Remember last offseason, they got Robbie Ray. They signed him, I think it was like a six-year deal over $100 million. I forget the exact terms. But either way, they're looking to make those investments like Robbie Ray last year, and now Julio this year, and now we might even see more of their younger stars kind of get these types of deals going forward obviously for not as much money because they're definitely not going to be worth that much money because i think if anybody's going to be worth this much money it could potentially be julio rodriguez because he already looks like an mvp candidate and i guarantee you we have not seen the best of julio rodriguez by far yet in his mlb career i'm also thinking like maybe the mariners can almost become like the Atlanta Braves, where they kind of just stockpile this young talent that's got really great potential, and then they sign them to these kind of like team friendly deals and kind of operate like that business. I think that could become a trend in MLB. Or maybe it's just a Braves thing, because they're always known for kind of inquiring or acquiring that those homegrown talented guys or the guys that they can sign from the international side of things. And now clearly the Mariners are jumping ship at the right time because right now they are locked into a playoff spot. They look like a playoff team. They're having the most fun out there than any other team in baseball possibly right now outside of the Los Angeles Dodgers because they're just God's gift to f***ing baseball this year with their f***ing record. I don't even know if they've lost 40 games at this rate. They probably have by now, but whatever. Point being, there's a reason why the Mariners had a fun... No, excuse me. The Mariners still have a fun differential section on baseball reference, and Julio Rodriguez is only going to add to that fun differential. Whatever it was last year, double it for this year. Great on the Mariners for this deal with Julio Rodriguez. I love this deal.
1: hundred percent. I mean, it's hard to believe this is the same organization that let both Ken Griffey Jr. and A-Rod walk in free agency. Now they a generational talent falls into their hands yet again, they're not going to let him go. And they're not going to King Felix him where his entire career is playoffless, miserable, and just stat padding, like trying to build a Hall of Fame career. They want to succeed with this kid. They do, and they want to do it right now. So, honestly, I commend them. This is looking to be the year they're finally going to break that goddamn playoff curse. Knock on wood, I'm actually pulling for them. I don't think anyone isn't at this point. It's kind of hard to hate the Mariners. I'm happy for Julio. I'm happy for the team. I'm happy for the next young face of baseball that's going to get paid an ass load of money, looking at Juan Soto in particular, <laughs> but we will cross that bridge when we get to it. Baseball's got another mega contract, and I, a little surprised it was Julio, but I am pleasantly surprised it was Julio. Kind of jumping ship a little bit here, Tom, because the next segment we got written down right here our next segment i suppose next story instead of talking about the one of the youngest players in baseball and Julio Rodriguez the New York Mets actually did something to honor the former players of major league baseball that have crossed paths with the New York Mets and that is the Mets the return i should say of Mets old timers day i believe it was the first one they held in quite some time i think the year correct me if i'm wrong i think it was like 1994 that they last had an all timers uh an old timers day. I can't even tell you who would have played in that. I'm just gonna be upfront and honest. But yeah, no, they had Mets from all different eras this year playing. They had two different uh, managers who could draft teams. Uh, I think we joked even on the show one point that uh was it? Was it Terry Collins team who picked uh, Bartolo first, or am I or am I mistaken? <laughs> Oh no, you are absolutely correct,
0: he used his first overall pick on uh, Bartolo Colon for <laughs> drafting a team. And and you bet your buttons that Bartolo Colon got the biggest applause, I think, of all the
1: players introduced, or at least that I saw on Twitter. <laughs> no, that's definitely, I, I, if you told me that, I can believe you. Bartolo, I, I think, I don't have the rosters pulled up in front of me right this second, but I'm pretty sure Bartolo was the most recent, you know, old-timer on this list outside of, like, a Johannes Cespedes. But he's the one that's definitely going to be fresh in Mets fans' minds. He's got that home run. Uh, it was just a really good time. So, Tony,
0: let's go over some of the highlights that we can remember from this Old-Timer's Day. So, first off, keep in mind, again, as Tony mentioned, this is the first Old-Timer's Day in a while. And keep in mind who just owned the team and who just bought the team. And exactly why they're doing this. This is Steve Cohen's inner fan showing. And this is why fans of a team should be owners of a team. Especially when they can just shell out a few hundred or a few hundred million or dollars or whatever to f- in free agency. And also to make these events happen. Like I'm pretty sure Buck Showalter even thanked him at one point for doing this. And Steve was just kind of like, don't even mention it. Like, he's just that type of guy. Like, he wanted this to happen. He's doing all of the right notes. I'm trying not to make this kind of like a section of the show where we just bless the almighty Steve Cohen for what he's brought to the culture of the Mets. But why I'm bringing this up is I found a very lovely quote from Ray Knight, um, Mets legend, part of that 86 World Series team. Tony, I think you might know where I'm going with this. So I'm going to read a tweet from Tim Britton. Um, right now on Twitter, uh, several old-timers spoke today about feeling welcome with the Mets in a way that they hadn't in a long time. Ray Knight made the subtext of this old-timers day explicit by outright saying, "I love the New York Mets. I don't like the Will Ponds." That is the exact vibe i'm talking about motherfuckers i mean i'm gonna read another tweet from um zach brazilier or brazilier i don't know of the new york post uh he went off on the Will Ponds and his disconnect from the mets he says says being invited here and speaking to steve cohen meant a lot to him and again i'm just trying to emphasize that culture that was um kind of brought about on this old timer's day everybody loved it everybody had a fantastic time so many mets legends there and one legend in particular tony you mentioned this to me just a few minutes ago before we were going to talk about this segment and i absolutely love this bobby valentine was in attendance and he had a surprise up his sleeve tony what was (laughs) that surprise you brought it up so i'll let you uh tell the story
1: so, I know we've talked about this on the show before. I believe this was in, uh, Tom, correct me if I'm wrong, this is in one of our tier lists or brackets or something. Oh, I think this was the the Mets tier list we did with, uh, with Eddie, right? Oh, uh, you know what? That probably was, yeah, the Mets misery tier list. I, god damn, I f***ing love the Mets misery tier list. But I'm positive that's where we talked about this on the show, so I won't go into too much detail. But if you don't know the story... Bobby Valentine, old Mets manager, gets ejected, comes back with a goofy disguise on, a hat, sunglasses, like a fake-ass mustache. One of the funniest, like, little goof moments in New York sports history. He was obviously found out and fined. He was found out by the broadcast crew, one of my favorite uh, broadcasting, <laughs> like, laughing moments in uh, recent sports history. But how this relates to Old Timer's Day... Is because Bobby Valentine made his grand entrance in the disguise, and social media went insane. I swear (laughs) to God, dude, when I saw this, I didn't catch the game mostly, but when I saw that Valentine showed up in the disguise, that got me all I needed to know about... Like, you were talking about the culture, about the vibe, about how, like, the Mets are able to do this big, grand unification of its history now under Steve Cohen. A, because the former players didn't like the Will Ponds, but B, you know, it's fun. It's like a big family reunion, just getting together, you know, after all these months, all these years. It was such a great, great atmosphere for the former players. Unfortunately, like I said, I wasn't really able to catch the game. It just aired at a time where I wasn't around. I wasn't air TV. I couldn't see it. But... Trust me, I had my eyes glued to social media. I knew who was on which team. I knew what to look out for. Obviously, I saw Bobby right away. Just being able to have a reunion like this. I mean, Tom, just compared to the Yankees' old-timers day this year, in that they barely f***ing had one, it was just some, some ceremony, like, I always look forward to the Yankees' Old Timers Day. Like, one of my favorite recent moments in, like, you know, that vein of Yankee history is Mariano Rivera hitting a home run in Old Timers Day and getting the biggest smile on his face running the bases. Like, just the opportunity, like, we we shit on Mets fans all the time on this show, let's just be frank. But Mets fans getting to see something like that after God knows how many years... That's got to feel good. That's, like, we'll tip our cap to the Mets on this one. That was a great event. Like, everybody seemed to love it. I didn't see a single thing of anybody complaining about anything. That's just a great move. Great event. Great reception. Well done, Steve. Well done, Mets. Now, Tony, I'm looking at the rundown, and we did
0: forget to mention one vital detail about Mets Old Timers Day. What's that? They did something that I don't think anybody saw coming. They retired... Willie Mays number twenty-four Ooh. that day. Now right. I bring this up because one, it was a fantastic move on the team's part, but two, because people are complaining about it on Twitter, and I want them to literally. That is. They terrible. Are... I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna rephrase that. <laughs> hang on.
1: <laughs> hang on. <laughs> <laughs> I want them to cease existing. Yeah, cease. <laughs> I need them to shut the hell up.
0: Let's try that. Let's, let, <laughs> That's better. I don't know how I'm going to edit that.
1: <laughs> just put a giant, like, like a fog horn over it. Yeah. If anything, that might make it. that might make people more worried. <laughs> I, I literally want them to... I'm really curious to see how you edit this. I need to hear this. What it's done? (laughs) Oh Jesus! But anyway, Either (laughs) either way,
0: risque comments aside, um, um, as many know, the maze only played for the Mets for a brief period of time, less than 200 games, from 1972 to 1973. But their fulfilling late owner, I apologize if I'm butchering this, Joanne Payson, I believe is how you say uh, the former owner's name. That was her wish to retire um, Willie Mays number 24. Now no Met will ever wear 24 again in a classy move. Also, I just want to point out the last Met to wear number 24, Robinson Cano. So let that sink in for a little while. (laughs) Robbie Canuck making his impact on another MLB franchise. (laughs) All right. More importantly, I kind of just see this to the people complaining as almost a way to be like, okay, so we honor so many players of the past, like Jackie Robinson, nobody can wear 42. Honestly, I feel like there could be the same thing with Roberto Clemente's 21. People can make the argument. I mean, why not number 24 for Willie Mays? One of the legends of the game. So I have zero problem with this because you're honoring a legend. There's never a problem with honoring a baseball legend, no matter what he did for you, what he did against you. There's no rhyme or reason against it. And he did play for the franchise. Keep in mind, there's only 135 games, but damn, it's a fine move. Just stop stop complaining about it, people. Stop,
1: please. I, honest to God, you could probably tell by the previous sentence I said on the show. I didn't know people were complaining about this and quite frankly that kind of confuses me. I mean from a strictly like Mets perspective, I guess I could see like you know He didn't have the longest tenure with the Mets and he didn't have the greatest tenure with the Mets But he was also what like 40 something I pulled up his page He was 42 in his final season with the Mets. So naturally wasn't gonna be the best ball player But y'all I think we're forgetting something here. This is Willie f***ing Mays. This is not just some scrub who just kind of parked his car in Queens, played for the Mets for a couple of years, played like crap, and was best buddies with the owner. This is a top three player of all time. One of the most influential baseball players that ever walked the earth. Someone who shaped the game with his play. Someone who the story of baseball would be woefully incomplete without. One of the few names that could be up there with the likes of Ruth and Williams and Aaron. Why are you complaining? One of the best players of all time came through your franchise. Your franchise. If you look at war of every single player that's ever played for the Mets, Willie Mays is number one. It doesn't matter how many games he's played, he's number f***ing one. I mean, I speak in terms of total war, obviously, not war accrued with the Mets. I believe that honor goes to Tom Seaver, but don't quote me on that. Nonetheless, this should be an honor. I... I frankly, thought it was an honor. I was a bit perplexed at first, like, oh yeah, I forgot Willie Mays played for the Mets, but still, good move, classy move. I, y'all gotta stop finding reasons to complain about things. This, Tom, when you said, guys, just stop complaining, it rang in my head as like, oh my god, people, this was such a nice event, it's like you were mining for something to complain about. I, I'm really surprised they chose Willie Mays, this just is stupid to me. You honor a legend and you just, Twitter's weird, man. Yeah, I do want to read real quickly before we move on a quote from
0: an article on MLB.com from Anthony Tacoma, which can give a little bit of context as to why this number was retired. So from the first paragraph, mm-hmm. from uh, for 50 years, the promise hung hollow, unfulfilled, leading many to believe the situation would never change. As the story goes, when original Mets owner Joanne Pas- uh, Payson traded for Willie Mays in the twilight of his career in 1972, she promised him he would be the last Mets player to wear number 24. Acquiring Mays was important to Payson, who had built the Mets into the hollow space vacated by the Giants, the team for which Mays would always be best known. Bringing him back to New York meant bringing him home. Keep in mind, folks, if you don't know your baseball history, Willie Mays was in New York for the beginning of his career with the Giants before they jumped ship and moved over to the Bay Area. He's got deep roots. In New York baseball, that's why Joanne Payson wanted that number retired. Just to throw that out there.
1: That in mind, I honestly didn't even draw the Giants correlation. That just makes the retiring of the number even more, I guess you can call it sentimental, meaningful. And the fact that they're honoring a departed owner's wish, that makes it even better. I... stop stop complaining about things. (laughs) This is a nice moment, folks. Just let... let them have this. I... Don't really have anything else to say on the matter. I'll just leave it at that. It was a great ceremony. It was a great game. It was a A-plus move by the Mets on every single account. Just uh, Just stay off Twitter when you read about it, which you already knew that. <laughs> Jumping right back to the next story we've got here, Tom. This is a bit of a sour note because... <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I forgot this happened and then you told me about it like uh, like I have this idea this idea this idea Did I forget anything and then you brought up the fact that Walker Bueller is done for the season and next season too And I remembered that I took him with my second overall pick in the diamond duo fantasy league and I died a little inside But it's okay. It's okay. We're doing fine. I'm winning again this week So no big loss for me, but big big loss for the Dodgers man. I Everyone I remember seeing the tweets like the first ones going off that Bueller was done for the year and you know he had gotten hurt in his arm he was hurt since ah, refresh my memory I believe it was June June they officially put him on the IL uh something like that I'm gonna look it up now just for confirmation but just until I find the article itself uh I don't really think I need to really discuss why Walker Bueller going down for the season is a bad thing for the Dodgers He's been basically their ace the past two years, with Clayton Kershaw struggling with injuries, uh, Julio Urias struggling with inconsistencies only until the past two seasons. Just the past couple alone. Last year, 169 ERA+. Plus. Year before, 128, 127, 148. And that last one is when he finished third in rookie of the year voting. He also finished fourth in Cy Young voting last year. He's been the Dodgers' best pitcher. Just the past couple years, he's been that guy that, I mean, Tom and I picked him to win the f***ing Cy Young this year. So that's a great look on us. (laughs) Another prediction that went to s***. That's great. (laughs) Just like my Pablo Lopez dark horse pick. I was looking so good for a month.
0: You know, he also would have looked really good in pinstripes, too. But, you know, Kim Ang, man. Oh, God. But, um, Tony, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but... Do the, do the Dodgers even need Walker Bueller this year? Because he's pitched in 12 games, but yet, he's 6-3 and three in those games, by the way, with a 4-3 ERA, which is a career worst. But even without him, they have a 21.6% chance to win the World Series at the time of this recording, and they're 87-38. and 38.
1: Wait, they pitching... actually
0: haven't lost 40 games? No, they actually have not lost 40 games as we're heading into September. <laughs> Like they, uh, this... li- we were talking about the Yankees getting that record. Everybody was sleeping on the Dodgers, including myself. They could possibly get the fucking win record at this rate. I mean, Christ, <laughs> dude, uh... it's so
1: weird. I-, I don't mean to cut you off, but it's the Dodgers themselves are low key underrated in a sense. Like you picked up for your team of the first half, so you would know. Have you seen how good Freddie Freeman's been this year? Like Mookie Betts is turning it back on. Trey Turner is amazing. Like the pitching staff. Like we'll talk about them in a minute. But I was, was looking that up. <laughs> I, I'll leave it to you then, because, Loki. I was going to bring it to the point of, you know, Bueller being down sucks because you're losing an all-star caliber arm, but they have X, Y, and Z. Tom, take it away. So, first of all, I just want to point out... Uh, no, f*** that. So, yes,
0: Tony, I will take it away. <laughs> Sorry. First, I want to point out... No, never you know, mind. You know what? You know what? Now that you're going to make fun of me for it, I just want to point out... <laughs> that I'm, I was looking at the Dodgers' overall stats this year, and I'm actually kind of shocked that none of their offensive numbers really stand out, like, too, too much to me. Like, to be honest, like, if you look at the—if you take a course, you reading at these numbers, like, for some of these guys, they don't really stand out. Like, I mean, Trey Turner and Freddie Freeman, of course— They're all doing well. Will Smith and Mookie Betts probably most notably because dude's driven in 98 runs so far this year. But I mean, besides that, like nothing really jumps out other than that they're a really good offense. And shout out to Trace Thompson. Dude's got 124 at-bats this year and has an OPS plus of 154 and already has 1.9 war. More than Clayton Kershaw, just to put that in uh, perspective. Uh, Speaking of Clayton Kershaw, how about the pitching? That's what I wanted to talk about. And why I mentioned that they didn't even need to be to begin with. Tyler Anderson, Julio Urias, and Tony Gonzalin. Let's just take a look at those guys real quickly. Tyler Anderson, probably a guy many people didn't really discount. Now, this is probably because of the team that he's on. ERA plus of 154. 13-2 record, 269 ERA, 111 Ks to 30 walks. Julio, 13-7 record, 236 ERA, 130 strikeouts, 27 walks. 176 ERA plus, but folks, if it, you didn't believe it could get any better, then um, save it for a second. Tony Gonsolin again. This is because of the team he is on. Because I guarantee you, he would not have a 16 and one record in 23 games. 16 and one heading into September with a 210 ERA, 116 Ks, 35 walks, ERA plus 197. <sighs> Just under 200. i also like to point out, I was looking down, and I see somebody in the Dodgers' bullpen, Evan Phillips. ERA plus of 328.
1: You and I are looking at the same page right now. I was going to bring that like up. That, like, <laughs> who is Evan Phillips? We watch baseball all the f***ing time. This guy's quietly one of the best relievers in the NL. Who is this guy?
0: <laughs> he was on Baltimore for the, to start his career, so oh, that's why we don't know who Another the hell like, he is.
1: Outcast of the Baltimore system, the Dodgers' pick him up. It's like, you know what? No, 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 no. We're going to make you a good pitcher. They, they didn't do you right. We're going to make you good now. How did they even... Not good. Fantastic. I changed my mind. Let's see.
0: <laughs> yeah, he was released by Baltimore, signed with the Rays, actually, in 2021 of August. And then he was taken off of the waivers by the Dodgers like about 12 days after he signed with the Rays in 2021. That's August 16th, he was claimed. Um, And Jesus Christ, dude is a... F- great reliever this year and i don't think anybody's talking about him. i actually kind of want to go see if he's available (laughs) in fantasy at this very moment but i really don't care about that right now because we're talking about walker bueller being out for the year yes that sucks and long term that's going to suck this is his second tommy john surgery in his young career already dude's only 27 and already needs another tommy john i i mean multiple pitchers that need multiple tommy johns tony correct me if i'm wrong doesn't Steven, didn't Steven Strasburg kind of have to go through the same thing? We just need, needed I, now um, like multiple like Tommy Johns. In, I know like we got career. it at
1: least once. He probably got it twice. I might be thinking of, I know I think he had Thoracic Outlet at 1.2. Uh, I know Tyone got it twice. I know that much. I'm trying to remember who else did. Kurt... Like, I, go ahead. I was just going to say, the only reason I bring it up is because I don't know if we can expect that kind
0: of ace Cy Young caliber Walker Bueller going forward which is a real shame because dude hasn't signed his mega contract yet he's a free agent in 2025 so he'll still have time to kind of make up some value and trust for teams that want to possibly sign him if the dodgers want to extend him but i mean this could be the beginning of the downfall of walker bueller is what i'm trying to say while at the same time complimenting the dodgers for having a beyond grateful season like it's a it's a tough uh act to balance what we're doing right now tony but uh It sucks for Bueller, but honestly, the Dodgers are surviving just fine. I'd be a
1: little worried long-term, because like you said, the long-term effects, we don't know if he's going to be the same. He's not even going to play in the major leagues until probably 2024, so that really sucks. Hey guys, Editor Tony here, and you know, normally when I show up or Editor Tom shows up, it's usually due to, oh... Here's a stat we said that was wrong. Or hey, here's an update that wasn't true when the episode was filmed. Now here's an update. Well, yeah, this update's going to be a little different because, (laughs) yeah. About 45 minutes through the recording of this last episode, my mic was disconnected somehow. I needed to unplug it and plug it back into my computer, and upon doing that, It, unbeknownst to me, stopped the recording on my end. So, Tom and I kept talking. We kept talking for about 20 minutes after that, before my stupid ass realized I wasn't rolling, and at which moment I wanted to put my head through a drywall. But it's okay, because in all actuality, once we collected ourselves, we realized that all we lost was a bit of that Dodgers discussion that you heard, and... A good chunk, if not all, of the subsequent discussion, which I'm going to fill you in on in just a moment, to which I was doing most of the talking anyway. Spoiler alert, it was about MLB Prospects, and you know what? I get to roast Tom here without Tom even being able to rebut, because Tom doesn't know diddly squat about MLB Prospects. I'd cuss there, but I don't feel like editing the bass recording, or excuse me, censoring the bass recording in addition to this one, or eh, if I feel... If i feel like it i might but that's for later so yeah what i'm going to be doing here is basically connecting the dots filling in the blanks of what was missed obviously i'm not going to do a whole segment by myself because that would get redundant and boring but i will just give a kind of the cliff notes of what we talked about a brief rundown of this topic because this was frankly one i was excited to talk about just because september call-ups are coming up soon i should clarify by the way we recorded last night, Sunday the 28th. It is now Monday the 29th at about 8.15 p.m. That's when this little update here is being recorded. Same rules if it's after. I didn't know. You know how time works. <laughs> so, yeah, let's just get right into it because there's not a ton for me to talk about here, especially not, especially just by myself with Tom not here. Uh, all the segment was is there were three top prospects across baseball who have recently made their MLB debut, or actually one technically hasn't yet, but is going to literally within hours. So these three prospects in question are Garrett Mitchell of the Milwaukee Brewers, Cade Cavalli of the Washington Nationals, and Corbin Carroll of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Corbin, of course, is the one who has not debuted yet. He is going to be debuting tonight. He's batting eighth in the Diamondbacks order, and I'm Very much looking forward to seeing what he's going to do. Number three overall prospect in baseball. I feel like his reputation precedes him. Even folks who don't really know prospects know Corbin Carroll. Toolsy outfielder, I would almost comp him to like a Mookie Betts light in a sense. I mean, you just look at his minor league season this year. He's kind of having a Mookie Betts light season. OPS over 1,000, 24 home runs over uh, various levels of the minors. He's just been great. He's been great. The Diamondbacks obviously have nothing to lose, nothing to play for, so they figured, eh, might as well try out this, you know, shiny top three prospect, and hopefully it goes well. Wishing Corbin Carroll well in his debut later tonight. Garrett Mitchell, like I said, debuted with the Brewers recently. He's only played one game with them, and he did produce. I believe it was a 9-7 win over the Cubs, and he drove in two while also being driven in once himself. I believe he was a first-rounder in the 2020 draft, if memory serves. Him and Cavalli actually share that distinction. So he had a very good debut, uh, debut, uh, can I speak? Garrett Mitchell, congratulations to him. He's basically going to be filling that, you know, Lorenzo Cain-sized hole in center field. The Brewers, you know, they've gotten production out of their outfield this year, definitely more than last year, but they're hoping Mitchell could provide that spark. Last prospect who debuted, like I said, Cade Cavalli, highly touted pitching prospect in the national system. His debut, unfortunately, didn't really go his way. He was lit up by the Cincinnati Reds. I believe he allowed, I'm sorry, I don't have the stat in front of me. I believe it was six runs, something like that. His ERA isn't pretty right now. It's up to something like 400, uh, 400, wow, 14, excuse me. Not the greatest of starts for Cade Cavalli, but he's also a pitcher who just debuted. You know, not everyone can be Steven Strasburg in their debut, and he's definitely going to get better. He's got the tools to get it done. He's twenty-four years old, so there's only there's nowhere to go from up, or excuse me, there's nowhere to go but up, for Cade Cavalli. But I will say the crux of this segment was going to be Tom and I hypothesizing. Who could be on the way next? Uh, We're probably going to talk more about these guys next week after the September call-ups deadline. So, it was mostly just speculation. Obviously, I'm not going to be doing any speculating just by myself. So, for the sake of brevity, I'll only talk about three of the five prospects I wrote down, what they could bring to their respective team, and whether or not I think that team will actually call them up. So, first player I wrote down was Bobby Miller. The top pitching prospect of the Los Angeles Dodgers. I believe he's actually their number two overall prospect behind uh, Diego Cartaya. Yep, I'm right. Miller was drafted. Wow, also in 2020. I forgot about that. Oh my God, the Yankees could have drafted him. And I'm instantly sad. Oh wow, he's only he's four days older than me. Wow, that's kind of funny. Uh, that's neither here nor there, no. Bobby Miller, electric fastball. Great stuff. Has the potential to be a middle to top of the rotation starter. Absolutely filthy stuff. Do I think the Dodgers will call him up? I I mean, this is actually kind of funny because yesterday I gave a resounding no because, like we talked about in that Dodgers segment just a little bit ago, even without Walker Bueller, the Dodgers are going to be fine right now. They really are. But that kind of changed today because Tony Gonsolin just went on the 15 day IL. Hey, this is actually kind of funny. Something happened after we recorded and I could actually report on it finally. God, this is amazing. Unfortunately, Bobby Miller was not the prospect called up to fill that major league roster spot it was michael grove so i guess that really hammers at home that miller isn't coming up this year he's definitely close to if not already at mlb ready he's at triple a this year he has struggled a bit throughout the season as a whole he's only pitched 12 innings in triple a but he has brought it back compared to his time in double a so I don't think the Dodgers bring him up. They already brought up Michael Grove, and by the time their injured pitchers start to come back, they'll have the depth. They probably won't even need him. I could definitely see him coming up next year and developing him from there, probably getting the Julio Urias treatment of being in the bullpen for a bit, then moving to the rotation full-time, but we'll just have to wait and see. As for this year, I don't think he's coming up. The next guy, though, I could definitely see... making a pretty big impact on his team and that's bo Naylor, catching prospect for the cleveland guardians he is i don't want to say the missing piece to this guardians team right now because i went on a little rant in the lost recording about how good the guardians have been and how honestly fun they've been to watch however with how fun their entire roster is catcher has kind of been a black hole all year i mean austin hedges is great defensively but he can't hit to save his life bo Naylor is a hitting-centric catcher with some fielding upside. So I think if they brought him up, he'd provide a lot to a Guardians team that could use, you know, that little extra spark to go the distance. But I don't know. I don't know. Honestly, I'm going to be bold and say they do it just by virtue of they didn't really buy too big at the deadline. They may be willing to trust their young guys, you know, develop from within. I mean, they're clearly doing that with guys like Jimenez and nailer still tearing it up on that roster. The website MLB.com does say his, his ETA is 2023, so I wouldn't be surprised if I'm wrong. Like, Quite frankly, predicting when prospects are going to be called up is like trying to predict the lottery. It, it, it's not possible. It's not possible. But Bo Naylor, I'll just sc- say screw it and say yes. Why not? Have some fun. Uh, next, oh boy, next team... Next up is Oswald Peraza for the New York Yankees. Tom was actually spearheading this conversation because he actually knows Yankee prospects and only Yankee prospects, like the scrub that he is. (laughs) And he can't call me out on it. (laughs) Ha! But either way, we've talked about Peraza before on the show. All around great shortstop, good hitter, great fielder, good runner. Really, everything Marwin Gonzalez is not. And I'll just cut to the chase and say the Yankees 110% should bring him up compliment the young talent in Oswaldo Cabrera. He's been great so far. At this point, just DFA Marwin Gonzalez. He offers nothing to the team that Peraza can't offer too, and if Peraza's not good, it's fine. Just plug IKF in there. I don't like IKF per se, but at least you have that fail safe, so I I really don't know why he's not at the big league level right now, and the fact that Marwin Gonzalez is taking up a spot is kind of depressing to me. But I'm pretty sure we've harped on this before in the show. I am gonna keep moving on, but Cashman's rhetoric leads me to believe he's not gonna be up, but I wanna be optimistic and say he does come up. Just because the Yankees really could use another bench bat right now. I we'll see. We will see. My guess is no, my hope is yes. That's where I'm gonna that's where I'm gonna stand. Oh, man. So that was basically the segment we had. I kind of ran a little long with this. I didn't expect to, but still, this is kind of what I wanted to talk about, so I'll take it. hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. I'm so, so sorry for the technical difficulties. This isn't gonna happen again. So, yeah. Enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you, Tony. So, I don't
0: know if that's, like, a time warp thing. I don't know. Like, you haven't recorded something, so I guess that's future Tony... But in a sense, it's present, Tony, because it's kind of going to be edited weird. So that's kind of like a hot tub time machine, time warp bullshit we got going on right now. But the point (laughs) I'm trying to establish is we made an oopsie in the tech department. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) that's just going to mean editing the episode is going to be a
1: lot more interesting this week, Tony. So, um, yeah, Uh, oops are bad. (laughs) Yeah, you could thank my lovely, lovely microphone for that. I don't know. <laughs> just a stupid gaff. It ugh, sucks, but stuff happens. Hey, for what it's worth, I think you pointed this out. I'm thankful we made it to 39 episodes before we had even one technical problem. Like, I think we've had, you know, like, the audio sounds a bit weird. Oh, there's like a weird thing in the background here. Or Oh, maybe it's a bit long. We've never had, oh my god, we lost audio. Oh my god, the, the, the technology actually, like, died. Oh my god, I, I, I pray...
0: I was just gonna say, I will say, I've had that scare like three times on this podcast, and I was like, no, <laughs> oh, and they were after like two and a half hour recordings too, like that we record the entire thing, and I thought I lost it because my audio program completely shits itself sometimes. So luckily, that hasn't happened in a while. <laughs> Knock on wood. Um, I was gonna, I was gonna add something about like time warping and something like that, but I compl- I completely forgot. <laughs> To be I honest mean, with you.
1: We could talk about the paradox as to we're thanking future Tony, but when the episode comes out, he'll be past Tony and we'll be further past Tom and Tony. So mm-hmm. we 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 create almost like a spiral almost. This is like I don't know. We're we're mixing the two timelines. I- exactly. Yeah. think think of it
0: as like our back to the future parody almost <laughs> with this episode. Oh, that that's what I was gonna say. You guys can thank Andrew Heaney for the audio going to shit because we are talking about Andrew <laughs> Heaney being successful, and that's when everything went to. Shit. I am not joking. Too,
1: that is a legitimate part of the story. I forgot about that. We were literally talking like, oh, yeah, I, I threw in like a jab at Tom. Like, oh, I wanted to see your reaction when I say Andrew Heaney's been good. And then immediately my mic dies. It's like, you know what? God himself, Jesus <laughs> on high, saw me saying that. It's like, no, you are not going to acknowledge Andrew Heaney as having a successful career outside of the Yankees. After the Yankees, I should say. I think one of us cursed Cashman. We both probably cursed Cashman. I know we talked about, you know. Dodgers being okay in the short term, whatever in the long term, like, we, we could go and surmise everything again, but... God, that's too I, much I mean, you, work. You also <laughs> just, I mean, we say that, but Future Tony just recorded a whole big thing about prospects for us. We should be thanking Future Tony. Granted, I'm gonna it, be Future Tony tomorrow. Timelines, it, ugh,
0: yeah, thank future Tom, too, because future Tom's going to have to summarize our end of the Dodgers. <laughs> because I had some interesting comments I made, and uh,
1: those will surely oh, yeah. make it to air. But,
0: uh, <laughs> at any rate. Plus, um,
1: uh, plus, there was also a song you wanted to sing that didn't make it in there. I don't know if editor Tony's going to put that in, but we'll see. <laughs> well, I'm going to edit that section together, most likely, so it will get in there.
0: It will just have to be heavily censored, <laughs> because we're not having that type of shit on our show
1: you know what's funny that too but I was more so saying the wager you said if Heaney closed for the Dodgers oh I was gonna include that too so I mean everybody
0: will know what that wager is by now oh. and if not um okay. well then that would look really awkward but we're gonna keep that a mystery so that way if it doesn't come true then uh, or if it does come true then no one will know um <laughs> it's a mystery unless we put it in we'll see. Yeah, then it'll be more of a mystery, but essentially I would have to do something that you probably don't want to hear. At any rate, things I didn't want to hear or see this week, well, that could be surmised in one fantastic segment that's a running joke that we've got on the show. Hit the intro. I can't tell you how much I say from the bottom of my heart, I'm so very, very sorry. I pride myself and think of myself as a man of faith, as there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos it will be a home run. And so that'll make it a 4 nothing ball game. I don't know if I'm going to be putting on this headset again. Oh boy, howdy. You thought we were gracious enough to bless this earth on the two-year anniversary of Nick Castellanos' deep drive to left last week with a double feature? Oh boy. This could be a triple platinum hit this week if we decide to talk about Josh Hader's terribleness with the San Diego Padres as well. But we're better than that. We're not going to do it, because there's even more shenanigans that happened this week, and that's all courtesy of our deep drives to left. And I guess we're going to start with something that happened more or less baseball-related, that happened to a player in baseball, because we're going to talk about a man-child whiny bitch in a minute, but uh, we're instead going to talk about a uh, questionable, let's say, baseball player to start, Tony, and... It's just something we both were shaking our head at. I think when we saw this, I was like, you got to be kidding me. This is what the next Yankees injury is.
1: Like, really? Really? <laughs> <laughs> to preface this, I this player in particular, I remember seeing a tweet by Eric Hubbs saying, "So, is this guy just going to get DFA'd at some point because you know, he hasn't he hasn't played in a while." Just the other guys just are kind of taking the load off his shoulders. They clearly don't trust him. Uh, you all know who we're talking about, probably. Just to cut to the chase, we're talking about a role this Chapman. We were, I frankly was wondering where he was, because there was a period of time where he looked like he got himself back together, but then he went back to his form of sh- in the bed constantly every single night they brought him out, and then he didn't play for, like, a week. Frankly, I thought he was going to get phantom-eyed yelled. I don't know for what. He hasn't really been injured, you know. Or actually no, wasn't he wasn't he hurt at some point this year? Like beforehand? I
0: wanna say so. Either that or it was a suspension. I no, that happened already in the past. It wasn't a suspension. Yeah. Just the fact that I have to bring up was he suspended is already a bad indicator of um <laughs> this year with the Yankees. I believe it was an injury that he may have been already out for this year. I honestly don't remember. And honestly, I don't really give a because it's been a tumultuous year for Aroldis Chapman with the New York Yankees.
1: <laughs> yes, it has. And it's got a very tumultuous—I don't know if you'd call this an end because there's still a month left to the season. But, ladies and gentlemen, Aroldis Chapman did not go to the 15-day IL for back tightness or strained lat or a tight groin, whatever the f*** Nestor went to the IL for. Which, by the way, Rip Nestor, man. I'd oh, miss that,
0: dude. F- I forgot about I, that. Thank you for making I, me depressed. <laughs>
1: Anytime. Anytime, man. I mean, hey, I talked about Bobby Miller being passed up by the Yankees and the audio we lost, so yay, more depression. <laughs> yeah, what this Chapman went to the IL for was a tattoo infection. A tattoo infection that he got on his left calf, which, to be fair, it's a portrait of his sister, you know, very wholesome, but... <sighs> God damn it. On the topic of sisters, I have one of them, and she's gotten tattoos in the past, and she would tell you just the same as any other tattoo enthusiast would. If you get a tattoo infected, like, nine times out of ten, that's your fault. This isn't like an infection you get, like, oh no, I accidentally, like, scuffed my hand on the door, now I got, like, an open wound. This isn't an accident. If you... If your tattoo becomes, like, you know, sometimes it's a freak accident, I'm pretty sure anyway. Frankly, I don't know. I don't haven't gotten a tattoo. But my understanding is, if you take care of your tattoo and you keep it, you know, covered, you keep it, you know, clean, you're not going to see any hat-first side effects. You're not going to screw it up. Or all this Chapman, on the other hand, is now not able to play baseball as a result. I, ugh god damn it tom this is a uh honestly i had no idea where the chapman saga was gonna go next i doubt they'd outright cut him despite how bad he's been but i would have put money on literally anything but this to be the next (laughs) step in his uh his yankees journey so obviously it's gonna
0: be a pretty nasty infection for him not being able to play baseball for at least the next 15 days but you mentioned that like People who get tattoos should kind of know better. It might be their fault. Like, I'm not necessarily going to go to pointing fingers at a Roldish Chapman. I'm just going to point and laugh that it's a tattoo infection, although that's kind of f***ed up, but that's kind of the point of the segment, so who gives a This dude has, like, how many tattoos, and they haven't gotten, like, an infection before, and now, all of a sudden, it became a problem. So that's where I'm kind of going to the fact that I don't know if it was necessarily his fault. But it's just kind of, like, weird-ass irony this year that this happens. And like you said, it's a, it's it was a portrait of his sister that's very touching, very sweet. Uh, I just don't know why you would get a tattoo in the middle of the baseball season, as I guess my biggest question. Like, I guess you didn't think that it would get infected, and again, being a guy who has many tattoos, not myself or oldest Chapman— he probably may have gotten tattoos in the middle of the season before and there hasn't been any issues. So maybe he thought, Hey, there shouldn't be any issues with this, but of course there was. And now that just makes the Yankees suffer even more. But then again, they weren't pitching him anyway for like the past 10 days before you got a tattoo infection. So this th- doesn't really change the, um, the shift in balance. I guess you can say the balance and check the balances and checks of the New York Yankees bullpen right now, the other cluster f- that it really is. So, uh, Hopefully your oldest captain will feel better, and hopefully that tattoo turned out very nice. And
1: um, it's a touching tribute. Why are you laughing, Tony? This has nothing to do with anything, but I just need to see. Okay, no, that's that's right. Uh, so Tom, at the Giants game today, we were talking about the subject of your pitching in our uh, in our little fantasy league, right? Yeah. And how uh, you know Edward Cabrera didn't have the best day against the Dodgers, but you know it's the Dodgers. Gave up, I think, like six runs, five runs, something crazy like that. You know, bad start, uh, but it happens. Oh my but, God, what the f*** happened to my team ERA? Then Sean Manaya oh gets t- guard t- by the Royals somehow. The dude gives up a leadoff tank to Michael A. Taylor. That's kind of inexcusable. <laughs> uh. And I just decided I, I I wanted to check up on the Braves' cardinal score because by the way that's still happening because it got delayed rain delayed <laughs> and I noticed that AJ mentor gave up two home runs to the cardinals and a switch mm-hmm. flipped in the back of my mind like wait a minute Tom has AJ mentor <laughs> but not only that he's got Ryan Helsley who he himself gave up a three home, three run home run I like this is me like throwing you know stones at glass houses or whatever the saying is about this like Tom, Tom's week is fine he's, he's still gonna win but this puts his team ERA of over 10 for today, so... uh the good, the good news is entering
0: today, my team ERA was .68, although it's sad that it went to 296 in the matter of less... about 12 hours. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> but I still am going to sweep every single category this week, so it doesn't really matter. Oh, god damn. So... That's just a funny side note. Not good, because I literally just picked up Edward Cabrera off of the uh, waiver wire and thought that that was a great pickup. And I was also bragging earlier to Tony about my pitching this week, so you know what, that's kind of uh, (laughs) sweet irony Uh, taking over there. Oh, God. (sighs) Well, I think we've kind of milked the cow on a roll to Chapman. I I was trying to think of something clever to uh, talk about... I, this next no, story? Hmm.
1: <laughs> if, how, how, nah, how can that's, we do this?
0: That's terrible. Wait, hang on. I've, I, that's terrible. I'm thinking you know, something it'd be kind of something I could say. But uh, that's not going to happen.
1: See, I uh, have something that I could say, but it just sucks. <laughs> so, oh, oh, it sucks. I don't know. Should we just cut right to, cut right to the chase and talk about uh, everybody's favorite, I don't know, figure in Major League Baseball? I don't even know what to call uh, this guy. You know, we could, but I'm, tra- I'm trying to find... Like, mind you, I don't even think we've talked about this guy on the show yet, so we need to hype this guy up. No one knows who we're talking about yet unless they read yeah. the description, depending on who writes the description, but yes, I, I, that's not important. Well, I,
0: yeah, what I was trying to do was find the New York Post article that absolutely roasts the ever-living shit out of this man um, <laughs> in the title of it, and I think I may have found it.
1: I know um, what you're talking about.
0: I don't know if this is the exact one I was looking for, but it's good enough anyway that I'm going to repeat it from the New York Post. Hated MLB collector Zach Campbell whines after having to follow stadium rules. And that's exactly that's what we're going to talk about. Oh, that is the one. I thought there was a worse one. I mean, the worst part is saying that Zach Campbell's is a man, child, and a bitch. But uh, don't take it from me. <laughs> I only
1: said it. So um, what happened at this <laughs> <Don't>, game, Tony? <laughs> yeah, yeah I know. Don't take uh, it from me. I just said it out loud.
0: Yeah, I know. I say stupid shit all the time. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> Tony, what what happened at the Rockies game that made everybody get pissy at Zach Campbell once again?
1: Boy, oh boy. So if you lovely folks out there do not know who Zach Campbell is, first of all, congratulations. I envy you. <laughs> <laughs> I envy anyone who does not have to know who Zach Campbell is. But I guess not anymore, because too late now, I'm going to tell you who Zach Campbell is. He is a, uh, he's a character, he's a creature, he's a human being, I think, who goes to baseball games, and his only mission at this baseball game is to catch home run balls, which you think, okay, you know, harmless enough. But when you see the lengths that this guy will go through just to catch a home run ball, like, like the joke on the internet is this guy just plowing through, just mowing down kids and other adults and baseball fans to catch baseballs. I This guy's obnoxious. He's a man-child. We've never talked about him on this show, and we don't have too many, you know, risque things to say about Travis. Uh, tra- who the f- is Travis? Zach Hampel? Like, <laughs> I don't know we don't tra- have any- I don't know who Travis is, but he sounds like a better man than Zach Hampel. I Travis Hampel. That he, he sounds like a stand-up guy, honestly. But <laughs> <laughs> we have no Spitfire takes. We just think what everyone else thinks about Zach Hampel in this regard, and that we can't f- stand him. I. But the big thing. If I didn't already describe why Zach Hample was annoying enough, because, you know, that's just a brief overview, just kind of annoying. We'll, like, go to extreme lengths to get memorabilia. We'll knock over children to get said memorabilia. But my favorite Zach Hample story is one that came very recently. See, the protagonist of our little story, Zach, he took a little hike, a little expenditure over to Denver, Colorado to watch the Rockies game where home run balls are a plenty. They fly all the time and he positioned himself in the left field seats to catch as many as he can. But where did he go, Tom? He went, his seat was, you know, somewhere in like the bleachers up in the, you know, in this actual section, the seats uh, of wherever they are, like the 300s, whatever they're labeled as in Coors Field. I've never been. I wouldn't know. But. That's where his seat was. Where Zach was in the video was in the little, like, wheelchair accessibility area in front of all the seats trying to catch home run balls. And he's doing this in front of countless stadium employees who are telling him to go back to his seat. Because that's what you do (laughs) in a baseball game. You stay in your section. You stay in your seat. (laughs) And what does Zach Hample do? I'll give you a multiple choice. A, be a reasonable human being and say, oh, sorry, man, and go back to his seat. B, Say, wait, can I just, like, watch this one at-bat, then go back to his seat? Or C, whine like a bitch and tell the stadium employee that he's not doing his job right, or he's, like, you know, he's, like, making the fan experience worse, and then not go back to his seat? I'm not going to give you a chance to answer, because you know it's C. We wouldn't have made a big hoopla about this if the answer wasn't C.
0: Hello there. Editor Tom here, and... How do I put this lightly? If you thought one technical gap was great enough to make one episode, then how about another one? Because it was at this point in the episode where my computer just completely froze and it somehow shut itself down and it it was a complete and utter disaster. And now if you don't hear any pain in my voice, then how about you hear the pain in past Tom's voice from the actual audio recording right before my computer completely shut itself. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I think I'm still recording, but I can't tell. Because I can't do anything. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? No! Yeah, it was not a fun situation. Just, <laughs> we'll we'll talk about what exactly happened and what we missed and kind of recap it all when we get back into the episode in a second. And yeah, folks, we're two for two this week. I really have no other words to explain it. I mean, it's just a complete and utter mess this week. Again, apologies for a shorter episode that's probably the best for you guys. Honestly, it might be the best for us. At any rate, sorry about that again. I hope it's funny to all of you. It's certainly funny to me and Tony, at least now looking back at it. In reality, both of the technical gaps probably cost us, I'd say, about 20 or 30 minutes in the past. But at any rate... Back to the episode. Okay, so I was in the middle of talking about Zach Hample. I was going to bring up something on the New York Post. But then the impossible happened. We had another technical glitch. This time, my computer had a seizure. My headphones exploded. My computer gave me some, like, reboot bullshit that I've never seen in my life before. And now I have to talk about Zach Hample.
1: What a dream come true. The best consolation prize. See, I don't know. <laughs> Goddamn. We toyed with just What did you say before we started? Like, when we talked about Andrew Heaney, my setup went to s***. <laughs> when we talked about Zach Campbell, your setup went to s***. <laughs> so let's make the title of this episode, Andrew Heaney and Zach Campbell. That's the obvious solution here. Oh, God. I don't um, even know what to say anymore. Like I was going like, to say something bad but um let's let's keep the editing to a minimum the editing for both of us is gonna be a nightmare as it is but oh my god can we just call this episode like episode 39 the murphy's law edition anything that can go wrong (laughs) will (laughs) go wrong
0: we had a microphone that got unplugged a computer that completely had to restart on its own luckily the audio files were recovered so that's good but um I don't even know where I left off about Zach Campbell. Even if I even got to talk about Zach Campbell, because I don't remember well, what happened.
1: Well, for what it's worth, I was finishing up like exactly what happened. You know, he got yelled at by the Rockies staff to go back to his seat, and like a, like a like a little man baby, like a little prick, he's like, "You're ruining the fan experience. You're making things worse." I was finishing that up, and I was gonna throw it to you because I wanted your input, and that's what your computer decided to say. No, watch this. my computer said no you don't get to talk about that but i'm
0: gonna do it anyway against my computer's wishes so just kidding (laughs) i thought i figured you out there um no all i was gonna really say about zach campbell to make it quick is he is a man baby bitch he's escalating the situation every single day on twitter bringing it up and being like well these kids still love me well first of all dude Stop mentioning that kids love you, please. You put a kissy face in one of your tweets, and Tony said it best where it sounded like that should be some shit that gets Chris Hansen sent to your house, and like you're going to be on the catch a predator. Stop putting kissy faces in tweets about kids, please. And second of all, just stop tweeting. Please, just stop. Like, we don't give a No one has any respect, and I mean that in the most respectful way possible, to say no one respects what you're doing anymore. If you want to be a mega fan, you want to be, like, all analytical and kind of know where people are going to hit home runs and all that stuff, that's fine. Start something to help the fans kind of get an idea about it. Stop trying to hoard shit for yourself. Stop pushing people out of the way. Help people for Christ's sake. I guess people think that he does. Honestly, I think they just want to be in his video. That's probably why they look at him happy there, or that he gives him a free baseball every now and then. But then again, I don't know if he really does, because he's got, like, 11,000 of them. But, um, (laughs) yeah, that's just my thoughts about Zach Campbell, pretty much, to keep it abridged.
1: See, I I just want to add, like, one more thing, because this is something that came to my head. You mentioned the free baseball thing. That's always his defense to when, like, oh, you push kids out of the way to get baseballs. And he's like, well, I give it to the kid after, duh. It's, like, super high-pitched voice. Like, bro, his voice alone just pisses me off. Like, there's not a lot of people who have that distinction. He's one of them. He sounds like... I don't even know what. He he sounds like a kid show villain that looks like a pedophile. So, he I, I don't like, want to go like out like the a way. Villain. He sounds like a villain
0: that's from, like, the Spy Kids
1: franchise, to be honest. <laughs> but... Oh my god, like, imagine this, like, imagine you're a kid, like, just to me right now, as a 23-year-old man, the idea of catching a home run ball at a baseball game sounds like the best thing ever. It's, you know, it's a memory that lasts with you for the rest of your life, as for someone who loves baseball as much as me, as much as you, as much as all of you listening out there. That's an awesome moment, and that's something, you know, you get a physical souvenir that you could cherish forever, maybe even get it signed by that player, Maybe, you know, you remember things about that day now. The score, the teams that played, who you were with, what day it was, what, how the weather was. That's like a core memory if you're a sports fan that stays with you forever. But again, that's as a 23-year-old speaking. Imagine a 12-year-old, imagine a little kid who goes to the ballpark with his dad and gets the opportunity to, you know, catch a baseball, like, reaches mid up and snag a home run that Aaron Judge hit into left center field, or your dad catches it and hands it to you, and it's like one of your first like bonding memories with your dad, and it's really nice and wholesome. Take that scene I just painted so eloquently and insert a lengthy, like, a lengthy, (laughs) lanky, like, 40-year-old virgin type barreling like he's Derek Henry going to the end zone, just through your lane or your aisle going, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, and just lunges forward like he's making the catch at the end of a movie lays out gets the baseball (laughs) then goes up like he he comes up sees that he barreled into you who you in this case are are a small child and he's like oh here you go kid the kid if the kid doesn't know who zach Hampel is number one that's just disturbing and weird number two if he does know who zach Hampel is maybe he's a fan maybe he's not i don't know how anyone's a fan of this guy but now that memory turned into oh I always remember that day with Pa, you know, catching that home run to a conversation you have with your dad 20 years later going, hey, remember that weird dude at the Yankees game that like ran me over trying to get a baseball and your dad goes, yeah, who was that? I don't know, that was so weird. Like he's robbing kids of the memory of like catching it as the whole action, you're catching a home run ball, you're not receiving a home run ball from a greasy 40 year old is not what I go to baseball games for. God damn it, I can't imagine kids think the same either. I'm sorry, I'm that turned ima- into a rant, but
0: <laughs> I'm just imagining like the scene in like Free Willy where the kid's like looking up, like so enthusiastic, like yay, and then Free Willy's like jumping over him or something. <laughs> like I'm imagining that at a ball game, except the kids trying to catch a baseball, and then Zach, <laughs> damn, uh, dample, <laughs> Zach Hample, like Free Willy <laughs> dives over him to catch the ball. The kids like what the. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Please, if someone is even remotely good at editing, please edit that. I'm begging you. Oh, my God. If I was any good with, I don't even know what you'd use. Premiere, maybe? Oh, my God. That's so good. Like, I'm sorry to turn it into a rant, but just imagine that. Imagine that if you were a kid. Just, I don't know. I can't stand Zach Campbell. I- I'll forever cite my one, I guess, thought on Zach Campbell Is that one video of the guy at Fenway Park going up to him saying, Hey, Zach Campbell you <laughs> like, i don't know if that's if that's a red sox fan that's the most i've ever agreed with a red sox fan uh,
0: listen oh, even if he god. was a red sox fan that's america's hero right there doing
1: god's work that day <laughs> oh god, god oh, but I'm, I'm done talking about zach campbell tom do you have anything else to add to this uh could we even call this an episode anymore or should we just, just it, it, it's gong it's show like th- th- It's like three broken parts
0: of a conversation that, like, we're going to somehow stitch together ever so (laughs) finely. If I try and speak about anything else baseball-related or about any of our sworn enemies on the podcast, such as Andrew Heaney or Zach Campbell, I think the mighty, like, strike of Zeus is going to come down and, like, knock the power out of my house to just put another (laughs) burden into this episode. So I am done talking this episode. Please end the episode. That sounds
1: like a good idea. Oh my god, this this episode's gonna be one, like, unified strain of consciousness, obviously, somehow. But, oh my god, if this episode turns out good, give us both Oscars, Emmys, whatever the f*** you want to give us. We deserve an award for the editing job we're gonna have to do on this one. But, let's just, let's end this one off, Tom. This one's been, uh an interesting ride. Thank you so much to everyone for stomaching this episode of the Diamond Duo Podcast. I'm just kidding. Thank you all so much for listening to episode 39 of the Diamond Duo Podcast. Again, please go follow us on social media at Diamond Duo Pod on Twitter the Diamond Duo Podcast on Instagram. Again, we apologize for the technical difficulties we had while recording this one, but hey, We made it 39 episodes in without a major screw-up, so I like to consider that an achievement for the both of us, Tom. Good on us, and good on our equipment for waiting almost 40 episodes before dying, but this episode, excuse me, this outro is becoming long-winded. Thank you again for listening. Tune in next week for a much more normal and much more tech sound episode, knock on wood. We will see you then. Take it easy.